0: Well, thank you. Um, I hope you had a chance to say hello to someone. I know some of you go way down the aisles to do that. And, uh, and we're going to go ahead and begin while you still continue to greet people. Um, I just want to share with you, uh, first of all, thank you to the worship team. Thank you for your leading us in worship. We really praise. Thank you. And what a wonderful truth that we have a God who is um, like this lion. And there is nothing and no one who can stop the things he wants to do. If we kind of just get out of the way and say, um, I'll just follow you as you use me. We've had some really exciting things happen in the last week on Thursday night. We had an evening of remembrance with a whole group of people who um, we had the opportunity to uh, reach in the lives of people who have lost loved ones this year and even in the year prior to this. And it was this incredible event um, where God worked and moved. And so that was really neat to be able to be a church that does that kind of work in the hearts of those who are hurting. And then um, to this weekend have some 30 couples, 30 plus couples. We didn't have enough room so we had to... Jockey that all around, who came together for a marriage retreat that was just really powerful, and uh, and that was exciting, and and then to talk about having dedications and how God is at work. I'm so excited about that, and I, I I would ask you as we continue to see God do these things. Remember us this month. We have that double your donation. We've had some people step forward to say we'd give. A few people came forward, so we'll give about thirty-two thousand dollars if others in the congregation would just step forward and, and uh, would challenge them to try and, and match that. So as you think about that, as God blesses you, as we go through, and I think the last Sunday is November 26th, consider um, what you might do there. And then I'm going to ask Andrea McMaster if you would just share with us some of the other exciting things God's doing. Thanks, Andrea.
1: So I, I want to begin. Good morning. By sharing with you just about a special event for moms. So you know when women gather together to connect and share in real and authentic ways, often God shows up. And a big example of this is the second Friday of the month. It's when moms gather together to share the joys and the challenges of motherhood. There's lots of laughter, there is tears. Um, but it's a wonderful time for moms to support one another and to connect with one another while their children are well cared for. This is called Moms Connect. It's the second Friday of the month. So if you're interested in this as a mom, there's a communication card in the seat pocket in front of you. So fill that out. Let us know so that we can get you connected with that event. And then for the rest of you, those communication cards in the seat pocket in front of you are up in the balcony at the ends of your rows. Um, it's a great way for us to know that you're here so you can fill that out and also share your prayer requests as the church is uh the church staff is honored to pray for you during the week and lift up those prayer requests as well. There will also be people up front here after the service who would be delighted and honored to pray with you as well. And there's many opportunities to get plugged in um, at YZ Free during the week. So we have some class lists, and they're at the entrances um, to all of the... To the church. So pick one of those up as you're leaving today. Um, Make sure to look at ways that you can get connected outside of Sunday morning. We'd love to be able to have you do that as well. One of my favorite events of the year is a beautiful women's event for women and girls of all ages to come and kick off the Christmas season. It's called Celebrate the Season. And I have these special, beautiful cards for you that you can pick up in the lobby. This is we have these cards so that you can invite another woman in your life. Maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's a good friend, but it's for girls and women. it's just a special event. It's on Friday night, December 1st. So it's coming up quickly. Um, so I encourage you to grab one of those today. And now I'd like to invite George Lang up to share about the men's breakfast that's coming up next Saturday.
2: Thank you. Hi, my name is George Lang, and I'm the uh, executive director of FreedomWorks Post Prison Ministry down in North Minneapolis. And I'd like to, uh, first of all, thank Kevin, Pastor Kevin, and Pastor George for allowing me and the rest of the Wyzetta team for allowing me to be up here today to present in front of you. And I do want to point to the men's breakfast, but first I'd like to just take this opportunity to share about FreedomWorks in relation to the Wyzetta church. Many of you know, some of you don't, that Freedom Works was birthed out of this church and what and how that came about was Fred Peterson and Mike Getty and about 12 other men locked arms and went into the Minnesota Correctional Facility in Lino Lakes um, back in the early 2000s and they brought forth the gospel of Jesus Christ to guys like myself and the freedom that we would have in Christ on the inside of prison but being able to transfer that to the outside they soon realized that as they watched men grow in Christ that these men would be released and they would soon come back and from that, a vision was birthed, and it was Freedom Works. Freedom does work. Freedom works. And Fred, again, locking arms with 60 people in this congregation, purchased a building down in North Minneapolis on 36 and Penn, along with the 60 people, and renovated that building. And here comes my story. 2006, I was released from prison after my third prison sentence. And I I could go deep into it. We could be here for hours. And I could tell you my upbringing. But what I want to do is I want to be at a point to the men's breakfast that's next Saturday, November 18th, I believe at 8 o'clock. And that we are uh, going to be afforded the time to be able to spend about 45 minutes not only on where we're at as a ministry, but where we're going. God has given us a new vision. So we're turning the page. We're entering into a new chapter at Freedom Works. We have an opportunity right now to purchase a building that's worth $9 million of property, but God is bringing it in for $2.5 million. And that this would not only expand the ministry, but also would bring forth employment opportunities, um, culinary arts school. We have a huge vision for a huge property, and we hope that you join us. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much, George. Thanks for sticking with us through announcements this morning. I just have a couple more for you. Have you heard about the big event that's coming up at the U.S. Bank Stadium on May 18th, 2018? Well, okay, good. Some of you maybe haven't, so I'm going to just share with you a little bit. But the goal is to fill 66,200 seats in the stadium with people who need Jesus. This is being put on by Pulse, and we are linking arms with them to support this effort. So we are hosting a Pulse movement training on November 18th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here at Free, and the training really is a catalyst to mobilize our youth and our church into evangelism this year, and then it will culminate in that major event at the U.S. Bank Stadium in May 2018. I'd now like to invite the ushers forward. And as they come forward, I want to tell you that today is one of the Sundays that we do pause to recognize and pray for the persecuted church around the world. And we are going to show a video about a pastor who was kidnapped from the streets of Romania and he disappeared for 14 years. He was tortured and kept in solitary confinement, but he witnessed the power of Christ's love in his suffering.
2: Iar te rogi, mă? Iar te rogi? Ești împit! Băiatul tău nu mai are casă, nevoastă
0: ta e arestată! Viața ta e distrusă, mă băiatule, și tu te rogi în continuare la Dumnezeu al tău care nici măcar n-are chip Pentru ce căcate te mai roști mă? Pentru ce te mai roști tu acum?
1: Mă rugam pentru tine
2: in the sin but never the sinner and some we even want to Christ
0: I'm going to ask you to stand with me, would you? As we pray for those who um, are in places where we would have no idea of the persecution they're experiencing. Father, we stand in your presence and recognize you have gifted us with so much. Our hearts go out to our brothers and sisters who love you. And who are in some of the most extreme circumstances together through this prayer with one voice we ask that you would be near them strengthen them pour out your love on them may they see people like this guard may they see lives one to you yeah. Father we pray that you would end their persecution and that you would free them And we pray for our church, your church throughout the world, each and every believer. That as we, in any circumstance, find ourselves oppressed or pressed upon, that God, we would look beyond that and see the heart and pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. You may be seated. I was going to say, George, when you shared, thank you for sharing. We have this little house that you see over there, which we use as a place for those who are coming out of Freedom Works to help transition. And we've been involved in that in so many different ways. And again, thank you. This Your gifts is what allow that to happen, and I'm so grateful. Um, I thought as we continue in this series on um, you're invited, living an invitational life, I thought it would be important and helpful that we talk about some do's and don'ts. And I was thinking of this next Friday morning, we have a, a Better Business Leaders meeting here at church where we meet together, and you can see that. Um, and we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of hiring and firing. That someone's going to come and share, and so if you want to be a part of it, that would be great, as we talk about how to live as a believer in that. But I, I was wondering if some of you maybe had experienced some of the, what I call, don'ts of firing, you ever had someone who looked at you as they're going to release you and I pray this hasn't been your experience but, where they look at you and say look this is really hard for me and you're kind of going wait a second this is about me right now not about how you're feeling or, or maybe someone has come you know sat down and it's you know your supervisor and, and, and says we've decided to make a change I mean, come on, you're not the NBA and you're not going to have a press conference. It's, you know, take responsibility and say, you know what, I as your manager, that kind of stuff. Or, or a really bad one. You're just not cutting it compared to Mary or Bill. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be comparing people. You just want to take responsibility and talk about what has and hasn't happened and move on. Well, I could go on. There's all kinds of don'ts. What I wanted to do is talk about the fact that I just wish, don't you wish sometimes there were just some of these lists in the Bible? How many are real practical and just said, I just wish they had a list that said, here's the do's and don'ts with regard to how to live this invitational life? Because my guess is that a lot of us are doing some of the don'ts. And so what I'd want for us to do to, this morning is just to take some time and, and look at some of the do's and then I'll end and conclude with a few don'ts. But what I wanted to share with you is that in the early church, in the excuse me historical narrative that is found in the book of Acts, you'll not get a list, but if you read through it, you'll be able to see some things they did that I think are well worth Replicating, And we won't have all the time to go through all of them, but I think you can make a list from it. The early church and the followers of Jesus were what I call invitational all-stars. You read again and again in the early church words like this, found in chapter 2, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. More and more men and women believed and were added to their number. Chapter 5. You go on to chapter 6. So the word of God spread And the number of followers in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And you got to ask yourself, what were they doing? What was happening? What was invitational about their life? And so I want to share some of the do's. Here's what I think you can find if you go through the book of Acts. And I'll just go through in just a couple. And the first thing that I want to encourage us to think about is a do. And here's a do that I think is well worth kind of living out. Focus on community. Focus on a sense of belonging. People are hungry for true community. And, and, and not on what I call institutional attendance or even your individual beliefs. But one of the things you find in here again and again is this idea of community. And, and I'm convinced over the years things haven't changed. Some 2,000 years ago it is true, back then as it is today, that People are longing for a true, real experience of community. They want to belong. And I think it's probably going um, and rising in our day and age when you think of all the segmentation, all the disconnection, all the uh, mobility that we have. We find ourselves more and more isolated. Brene Brown, in, in a book called Braving the Wilderness, it just came out. She um, writes these words, true belonging. I don't know exactly what it is about the combination of these two words, but I do know that when I say it out loud, it just feels right. It feels like something that we all crave and need in our lives. We want to be a part of something, but we need it to be real, not conditional or fake, or constantly up for negotiation. We need true belonging. And then she asked this question. But what exactly is it? See, we're living in this age where I think more and more people are trying to find it. And they're segmenting into their own little groups. There's a guy named Bill Bush Bishop who wrote a book called The Big Sort. Not The Big Short, but The Big Sort back in 2009. And I think he had to be a little bit prophetic, maybe just intuitive. Because he tells the story of how we have geographically and politically and ethnically and even spiritually sorted ourselves into like-minded groups which silence, dissent, grow more extreme in our thinking and consume only facts that support our beliefs. We have actually fallen out of conversation with others. He says, as a result, we now live in a giant feedback loop, hearing our own thoughts about what's right and wrong, bounced back to us by the television shows we watch, the newspaper books we read, the blogs we visit online, the sermons we hear in the neighborhoods we live in. What I find is interesting is in the New Testament, in the early church, you'll find true community. You'll find people who are gathering from all different walks of life. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, I could caption that if you had, you know, in Scripture, true belonging found. Kind of the quest for this. Listen to verse 42. They, the followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is really just one big community. Of people who just enjoyed being together. Who were learning from one another. Eugene Peterson, I like the way he says it in the Message Bible, he puts it this way. Everyone around was in awe. And they pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. And they worshipped in the temple. Followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. And, and I like how he translates this. He says, people in general liked what they saw. They were attractive. They lived a life of joy and love and selflessness and, and the community around them saw that. This wasn't some kind of sporadic institutional commitment I think which is so often happens is I go to church. I think that honestly in some ways plays a disservice to this. Because it's not about church that they were enjoying it wasn't that, hey, I go to the temple. It was the fact that they were in community with people that they loved and they cared about, who cared about them. It was an invitation not just to check out what I believe, but to be a part of the compassionate community of friends who followed a person named Jesus. Last week, as uh, Shelley and I were sharing, one of the things about a... Um, Witness, she said, was it's winsome, it's attractive. It actually taps into what I think is in the hearts of people. That um, a popular writer like Brene Brown will tap into. People are looking for a place that's real, where they can truly belong for who they are. There's this incredible power of a Holy
1: Spirit-filled
0: community. If you look at Luke again, just a little bit further in chapter 4, he he reiterates the sense of the power of this community that is filled with the Spirit where there is this place where people can gather. He says in verse 32, the whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. And They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine and you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles um, gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses would sell them and, and, and bring the price of the sale to the apostles and made it an offering and the apostles distributed it as a person's had need. I think that line in here, didn't claim ownership, is interesting. They, they lived with the reality that all I have is God's. Kind of like dedication. I don't think that God is saying in the community like this, yet, we're supposed to sell everything. I think he's saying you live with this attitude in this heart that says God Um, What I have is yours, and I will allow your Holy Spirit to direct me in places and to people when I sense your Spirit is calling me to do it because it's not mine to begin with. It's kind of what we did in this dedication. You take a baby, say, God, this baby, um, we give back to you, recognizing, as parents say, that we're stewards over this life. And it says, and the apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus, and, and grace was on them all. This wasn't just a community where people truly belonged, but it was a community that was knit and, and knit together with a definite message. They had a definite core of convictions. They gathered around the person, Jesus Christ, and said, this is the person that we want to get to know. This is the person and the way that we want to live. He was their focal point. And those who were invited in to join this community were invited in right where they're at, not having to change, but to come and explore and to move towards Jesus. And no matter how far or near away they were in terms of their personal belief or behavior, they were invited to kind of hang around and to be near these people in community. One author writes, Healthy church communities are secure enough to welcome those who are exploring faith and searching for authenticity. They are relaxed, non-judgmental, communities where questions, doubts, dissent, and fears can be expressed and where ethical issues do not preclude them from acceptance. They are inclusive without compromising, communities with deep convictions that are nevertheless open to fresh insights, churches that allow and encourage critical engagement with beliefs and behavior, but test everything by its congruence with their founding story, with the word of God. That's really the kind of community that traveled with Jesus. I think what was so attractive is not only that Jesus and his teaching and all the rest, but here was a community of people who kind of gathered around him, and they were able to be a part of this. That's why he attracted so many people, if you want to look at it this way. They were the ones who were on the outside. They weren't the ones in the clique. It describes, I think, what's happening in his community of believers. I remember my first church, it was in Fox Lake, Illinois. I was in seminary. I was about... 20 years of age, so I was going to seminary and I was pastoring this church. There were about 30 to 40 people every Sunday. My main responsibility was just to preach on Sundays, but I, I decided I really want to see this church grow and expand. I, I had a youth group of a couple that were in their mid 30s. It's kind of um. Here I am, 20 years of age, and I went seriously throughout Fox Lake, which was kind of the playground for Al Capone and his group years ago, and, and I went door to door. Um, and I remember going up to one door and talking to this lady. She must have been, um, when I was 20, she, she looked like she was in her 70s. She could have been 50. Who knows? You know how you think? But all I remember is that I was telling her about this church that I was starting and I was a pastor. And she looked at me and got this kind of red gleam in her eyes. And she said, you're too young to be a priest. And I said, and then she said, get off my property. She started chasing me down the walkway, and I, remember I had a gate I had to get through, and the dog was after me, and I was just like, what am I doing here? And I remembered as I was going through that whole process, I remember thinking to myself, I don't think people, the 30 to 40 people, and most of them a lot older than I was at that time, are going to be attracted to this little group of people because of what we do in the worship and because of what's happening on a Sunday morning. And it was at that point that I began, as I was doing some of that, meeting people in neighborhoods. I invited them to come and be a part of it. I happened upon this idea. I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask some of these guys if they want to be in a church basketball league, which I had researched out and found out there was one in our area. And I didn't didn't have any of these guys, so I asked these guys. I can't play basketball at all, but I'm asking these guys. I remember Ken and Steve and and uh, Dennis and the rest and. And they started coming to play basketball, their wives started coming to church, and we started to have this sense of community and began to get along with one another. I actually, one basketball game, so one of the guys on our team, because I wasn't dumb, was a D1 player. I had, If you ever played with him, he threw the ball so hard, I thought it was going to go through my chest. One game, and I'm not a basketball player in any means, I'd rather play hockey, but I actually went 10 for 10. And and they actually liked me a little bit, let me play a little bit. But anyway, I remember as we met and I said, how about a softball team? And we played softball together and eventually a number of them began to explore and came to a place where they opened their hearts and their lives to Christ. And it was just a few years ago, um, I had lost track of a guy named Dennis uh, and he was one of the guys I never thought would find belonging in a community of faith. He was this, he was a great basketball player, but a construction guy that I, and, and I remember just a few years ago, his son came to church and introduced himself and said, hey, my dad was Dennis so-and-so. And I just want to thank you for the impact on my family. I don't think it's changed. I really don't. Part of our family is what we do on Sundays, and yet we want to invite people, and we hope that people will come and express their praise and, and worship to God. And, and it's part of the community life. It's really uh, important that you, that you come as you get to build that community. But part of the community is also becoming a community in smaller segments where you begin to start to enjoy one another. Never becoming a closed click, but always be saying, how is it that I can invite someone into this community. Because that's what I think was happening. In the book Simply Christian, N.T. Wright says, the idea of family, it's central throughout the book of Acts. Here's what he says, the early Christians did their best to live as an extended family, caring for each other in a way in which, in that world, extended families did. They called each other brother and sister And really meant it. They lived and prayed. And thought like that. Children had fathers. When they may not have had one. In their own home. Some had older brothers. Who would mentor and teach them. Because they needed that. From the home they were raised. And T. Wright continues. When they talked about love. Love. That's the main thing they meant, living as a single family, a mutually supporting community, and the church must never forget that calling. Our focus should be on what does it mean for people to actually experience family, community, the kind of belonging where people are real and authentic, Where we allow for them to be who they are and, and help them come to know Jesus. I I tell you, we are living in a day and age that needs it. And I just, I was, my heart has been so grieved. I wrote the other day in my journal as I was reading through Zephaniah and the prophet talking about the oppression and and how people use and abuse, especially people in power and how they have no shame. And I could not help but think of our world today with the Weinsteins and Spaceys and, Louis C.K. and all the rest and thinking to myself oh God and I I just have to say this uh, whether you're a fan of Louis C.K. or not at least he owned up and said I did it I don't know all the allegations so I'm not making any comment here except for I think the world is looking for people that when they do wrong they just humbly say you know I was wrong And they get out of all the self-righteous not, you know, all this defensive kind of behavior and, and we begin to recognize each one of us. And I, it just causes me just to go, as a community, are we going to be real enough to be able to say, God, I just want to show up in such a way as who I am, learn about you, grow in this, be honest, live my life. When I make mistakes, be able to own up to it. And when I've hurt someone, ask them forgiveness. I, I, are we going to live that way? Are we going to live as a family that's Attractive to others. That's the first do. The second do is this: stress relationship over rules. Anyone remember the movie Babe? Remember that movie? It's a great leadership film. Um, really, this cute little pig. He's this young little piglet, and he's just learning the ways of the farm. And he kind of gets with this goose, who's not such a great character. And the goose is really afraid because he's afraid his goose is going to be cooked for Thanksgiving dinner and so he wants to try and do something about it. So he is trying to get in the house to make sure that he will not have his goose cooked. And so he's trying to get Babe to open, you know, to be a part of it. But Babe objects and he goes, but there's a rule. And this is one of my family's favorite lines. After the goose you know, obviously flustered after he heard there's a rule. He goes, "Yes, that's a good rule. I like rules, but this is bigger than rules." <laughs> ever you ever had that? The early church came to a point where, at a certain point, they kind of said, "Wait a minute, let's stop. Something is bigger than our family rules, even." Our own personal rules in some way. Some things are even bigger, and it is a relationship. It's not only our relationship with them, but it's more importantly, as we are growing in relationship, this community of belonging, it is their relationship with Jesus Christ. Because again, that community centered on the message of Jesus did not, they did not go astray. They didn't compromise the word of God. But when it was traditions or things that really didn't matter, they just kind of put it aside, and they said, more important than rules is relationship. And that's a big do. Peter's big aha happens in Acts chapter 10 and 11. He has this concern um, because he doesn't want anything to do with those who are Gentiles outside the faith. But God says, I'm sorry, but that's who I came for. You guys are having fun, you've been attracting people, but you're missing the point. The whole point was that you would come and live in such a way that the community with me present in the center of it would begin to draw all kinds of people from dysfunctional situations like your own dysfunctional situation so that they can know God and His love and His presence and His truth and begin to grow up and to know Him. That's what it's all about. So God has to get a hold of Peter in chapter 10 and 11 and Peter has this experience where as he comes before Cornelius and God, I think Jesus gives and these visions of what's supposed to be like and he changes his heart and his mind as he sees Cornelius and his family all come to faith in Christ they have to deal with this how does this work with all our Jewish laws So if you go to Acts 15, it's now at this point, Paul and Barnabas have come back from their first missionary journey, and what they can't believe that is happening is some Jews have come to faith when they went to synagogues, but what's really happening is there's a bunch of God fears, a bunch of people who had lived their life, were looking for true belonging and relationship with the community, with the presence of Jesus, and they started coming in and they saw amazing things happen. And they're just kind of like, this is unbelievable. All of these people outside the Jewish faith are coming to Christ. So they have to hold a council, Acts 15. The very first cha- church council ever held is, is, is in Acts 15. And the decision they have to make is, do we expend our energy on maintaining the core of what this is all about, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith in his grace Or do we put boundaries up so we can identify who we think is in and who is out? Again, N.T. Wright on this passage says, one of the biggest battles in the early church was all about whether people coming in from the outside into what was still a basically Jewish community had to become Jews. In order to belong to the people of God, they had to make a decision, what did that look like? Would they practice Jewish rules including having their men folk circumcised. And as we read this, the answer is a resounding no. Paul was all for it. So here's here's the council, okay? They have this council they meet to discuss this whole idea of relationship versus rules. So we go to verse 12 of Acts 15 and it says that after telling the stories of how God had worked miraculous signs and wonders, all that God had done among them, James spoke up, the brother of Jesus speaks up. Brothers, listen to me. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write them a letter, and we'll give them three important things that will help develop relationships and primarily, essentially, focus on this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so they, in Acts 15, verses 23 through 29, you can read it for yourself, there is the letter that's actually written that comes from this consul. And he says, greetings, he says um, in this letter, I, I want you to know that I wish we could be there face to face with you, but we're sending Silas and, and, and sending along um, with Silas Judas, who have actually faced death on the count of Jesus, so we want you to know you can trust them, and then here's what it says, it seemed to the Holy Spirit and to us, and, and here's the huge thing with the Holy Spirit, when we're talking about community, when we're talking about relationships, it's all just soaked in the presence of the Spirit of God. It seemed to the Holy Spirit and to us that you should not be saddled with any crushing burden, but be responsible only for these bare necessities. Be careful not to get involved in activities connected with idols. Avoid serving food offensive Jewish Christians, those which had blood in it, because for centuries and years, they, they had, in all those, they said, just let's not offend unnecessarily and then he says and guard more the morality of sex and marriage in a in a very immoral culture. I just those are the things that we're going to ask you to do. And then he writes these guidelines are sufficient to keep relations congenial between us and God be with you. Peter Briscoe um, illustrates this incredibly well. He writes as he talks about the difference between relationship and rules, he has this experience with this with this kid. He says we had lived in our neighborhood for 2 months when drama ignited outside almost a dozen kids between ages 6 and 16 were playing street hockey I could hear the coarse language flying faster than the puck but I didn't think it was bad enough to ask my kids to come indoors you ever had those kind of situations you kind of listen and go okay it's, you know, it's okay and then whap I heard the door slam they won't listen to me said this younger child who won't listen to what I asked the kids outside I told them that we're not allowed to say these words but they just said them louder they said this is a free country and we don't have to follow your rules that's right I told them our rules are for our family but I don't like it when they say stuff like that and Peter said yeah I don't either but do you like playing street hockey with them Yeah. Then relationship trumps vocabulary. And he explains as he shares this passage of scripture, every group of people has rules that those in the group are expected to abide by. I call them tribal rules. My child knew our family had certain guidelines and standards of behavior. These are our tribal rules. What my boy didn't realize is that he can't enforce our rules on people outside the tribe. That isolates everybody from everybody. Our rules aren't intended to keep others out, but to keep our tribe aligned. You get the difference? And this was exactly what the early church was debating over. Tribal rules. Those outsiders who were being invited in didn't share the Jewish roots of the first believers, and some of the Jewish tribal rules applied well. But they insisted. Here's what they insisted. Come on, the mark of one who really follows Jesus, Unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved, it says in Acts 15.1. That's what started the whole thing. And you think about it, seriously, think this thing through. This was truly a big deal. And I love the way Jesus' brother James just chimes in. "Uh, Stop. It's my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And I don't think we should either. It's one of the rules that, that kind of applies here. Coming to faith in Jesus is hard enough for people. Think about it for yourself when you first came to faith in Jesus. I'm sure you had habits and things that you were doing that just weren't appropriate. But here's the point I think that James is making. Why would we make it more difficult for any person by rejecting them because they don't adhere to our tribal rules about our language or our dress or our music or our money or our food or our drink or our political positions? The key point is essential And that is a relationship with Jesus. Our goal and our desire is they would know the central message that holds us together, and that is to know this relationship with Jesus. And so as they move closer to Jesus, their hearts will grow in love with Jesus, and the rule of that love of Jesus in their hearts will begin to transform them. And stuff that isn't of Jesus, the Spirit of God will convict, and it will fall away. I had the opportunity not long ago to meet with someone who was really new in the faith, just experiencing the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I had the opportunity as I was sitting and meeting with this person, uh, there were things that this person believed, things that this person did. I just was, I was going, okay, I'm not, uh, right now, um, all I want you to do, I wasn't going to go in, I said, I just want you to love Jesus and begin to read the Bible with all your heart. Because you have to know that when people move into a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit through his word begins to convict. Because sometimes we try and pull off things or we get involved in things that are that actually isn't our business. There are some times the Holy Spirit will convict you and say you need to talk to someone. I've had those experiences too. But it's always been when I've had enough of a platform for me to be able to talk to this person as a person who knows I really love them. And I've had some really hard conversations. This doesn't mean you don't have hard conversations. And so the second thing is not only are we calling people into a place where they can have true belonging in a community, and not into some kind of institutional kind of attendance and things like but we're actually we're actually calling them into what's most essential, that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And and the third thing that I wanted just to share is that begin conversations, not debates. And I'm going to do this quickly because one of my favorite things is if you read the story of Acts, you'll see Paul, when he first comes to faith in Christ, it changes. When you get about to Acts 22, 24, 25, Paul is sharing his story. He's almost more conversational. But when you get in the beginning, you see when he first came to faith in Christ, he was zealous, he was excited. Listen to this. I'm so glad Luke kept this in the scriptures. Acts 9, 29 through 31, I find it so humorous. Paul talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. Anybody want to kill you? You need to get in a debate? Like you're going to win anybody over? And this is so great. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him off on a ship to Tarsus. I think that's hilarious. That's where he lived. He said, go home. You need to grow up. You need to kind of be seasoned. You need to be softened. You need to be matured. You know what? We're not here about starting debates with people. We're here about leading them in a conversation where they can come to know this Jesus whom we love. And I get it. You know it all and you can debate him, et cetera. But what I want you to do is to grow in this. So then it says, I love us. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. (laughs) Isn't that great? It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and grew in numbers living reverently before the Lord. Um, just share your story and what's exciting. I was reading a book called Contagious and this author shares about research that is on things that are really contagious like products that sell that restaurants that do and, and, and things that are contagious and, and he says, he gives example after example but he talks about this, this speakeasy which is called Please Don't Tell which has no advertisements, it's almost impossible to find. It's incredibly expensive, exclusive, and yet everyone wants to go there. And he says, here's the research behind it. This is what you, I I want you to catch on this whole thing. There's a study that shows when you share something you have enjoyed, doing so creates the same pattern of joy and pleasure in your brain as actually eating chocolate cake. Okay? Okay? So sharing, this is his, sharing about chocolate cake you ate gives the same pleasure as eating the chocolate cake. It also, because of the mirror neurons, creates joy in the other person. Um, If you have something about your life that's exciting, that God is doing, sharing that will bring you joy. And it'll actually, in your joy, bring joy to the person you're sharing it with. But we so are afraid because we think we need to debate and somehow win them and prove them to the Lord. All you need to be is one testimony link in the chain of whatever God wants to do in that person's life. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward, and I'm going to close with um, what I call some don'ts. So if we do this, here's what I'm going to close with. Don't limit God. I just want you to know right now God can reach anyone. In that story of that persecuted person, that sold, that, that guard, I've read stories and stories, these guards come to faith in Christ. You cannot believe the people who might hate you the most might be the ones that God is working on their heart the most. And don't choose for someone. It's not your job, it's the Holy Spirit. So all your job is to do is to just say, here's what's going, here's the story, here's what God's doing. And the other thing I want to tell you is don't miss out on what God can do. I am so grateful that God moved me to bring a team together so that a couple of years ago a son could come up to me and tell me I had to just come to the church and tell you, thank you. And then the last thing is don't do it in your own strength. All throughout the Bible you see the Holy Spirit calling us to do this. So I'm going to ask you to stand and if you would be willing with me and if you're new and you don't want to read this you don't have to read this because I'm asking you to make this commitment back in Late early june late may I can't remember when it was I asked people to pray this prayer And so i'm gonna ask us to read this prayer together Let's read this together. Holy spirit this day be real to me fill me with your spirit Holy spirit. I want you to guide my thought life. I want you to have a spiritual conscience I want you to be in my relationship with my wife or husband and with my family I want you to be in all of my daily activities my job social life and friends. I promise to read my Bible daily, asking you, Holy Spirit, to reveal your truths to me. You just said you'd read your Bible daily. Okay. Um, This day, Holy Spirit, I want to be all I can be with you directing my life. Holy Spirit, with your help, I will be your witness. I will serve in the name of Christ.